0: listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy, Australia's number 1 weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie Truckies. Here to bring an independent voice to truckies right round Australia. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail committed to improving safety through engineering innovation and education. G'day, it's great to have your company once again. Welcome to episode number 113. This week the show is packed with great guests. We've got Carl Stefano... Uh, Stefano... Uh, Steffi... Uh. Anyway, it's Carl, the popular host of Channel 9's Today Show. We chat with XNRL star and now hot Aussie music artist James Keith and hear his latest single. Mike McNess from the Victorian branch of the TWU joins us. There's all the latest from the the on-the-road newsroom and Mike talks rest areas later on in something to talk about. To close out the show, it's the Whitlam's Black Stump Band with their 2022 remake of the old Whitlam's classic Blow Up the Pokies. There's so much great content and so little time, so...
1: Let's get this show on the road! Yes, get over that! (laughs)
2: G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers. And when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road. But when we're on the road,
3: we're listening <laughs> to the big rigs
2: on the road. Right? <laughs> Across the nation, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. AustralianTruckRadio.com.au <laughs> I'll tell you what, we've got someone different for you on the show this week. Carl Stefanovic, Channel 9, Today Show legend, I suppose you'd call him.
4: (laughs) You don't start out with different, big fella. I mean, (laughs) different sort of conjures all sorts of weird images. Actually, do you know what? It's pretty accurate. Of all the intros I've ever had, different is pretty good. I'll take that as a
2: compliment. Well, it is a compliment, mate. I I had to actually go to extreme lengths to get of you. (laughs) <laughs> what, you
4: rang one person in the
2: meeting you got to me?
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you lazy bastard. <laughs> mate, a call in a favour from my old mate Chris Smith. One of my listeners heard you talking on your television show and he said apparently you said that if you weren't doing any good in TV, you'd have a go at being a truck driver. Yeah. And uh, I thought, well, bugger this. We'll, we'll find out. We'll put the man on the spot and we'll see what he's got to say.
4: Well, you know, it is true if if it didn't have my lane in the media, mm. I, I kind of grown up with um, you know being surrounded by truck drivers either uh, in the same you know um, big twenty four hour truck stops as mm. me or being with my my auntie runs uh, horses and cans right and and she used to always have long haul truck drivers through there, so I got to know the cut of the jib and and I liked it from an early age. Yeah. Uh, just no nonsense, no bullshit. It's a tough job, and 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 I fully admire the drivers that make this country tick. So. It's probably an aspiration that, that won't be fulfilled, but, but something that I've always admired more than anything else.
2: Well, have you ever been for a ride in a big truck, mate?
4: Early days, I, you know, I was working out of Rocky and I did a couple of yarns out there back in the day. Hmm. We went out to, um, past Blackwater and into Emerald and um, we did a couple of runs like that, but nothing really too significant. Yeah. Like I said, it was more, you know, I used to travel from Brizzy up to Cairns on the McCafferty's bus. Back mm. in the day, that took 28 hours. <laughs> so, you know, so I got to know the truck stops really well. Yeah. And I just always admired the trucks themselves. I just love the big rigs and I just love the look of them. And you know, when you're out in the open road, all the messages on the front Yeah, and just the freedom I felt that the drivers had. I mean, even though they were horrendous hours. Just the ability to, to try and get in a car or a truck and, and drive somewhere and do something that went from start to finish and, and then a couple of days later, word back up again. It's always kind of appealed to me, that idea.
2: I'll tell you what, mate, I've, I've got an offer for you. You might not be able to refuse then. Yeah. Well, actually, there's three choices. There's three offers. <laughs> My old mate Rod Hannafy, who's the president of the National Road Freighters Association, takes people for ride alongs. Yeah. And he said that he'd be quite happy to take you out for a ride in his big K200. Oh, yeah, the K200. It's oh, not yeah. bad.
4: Yeah. There's enough room for me in that. How many yeah. years has that got? 18. Well, you know, because you, I reckon there's a couple of truck drivers who are new to the scene at the moment who may come from different countries who, yeah. who can go forward or right, but just can't find reverse.
2: <laughs> oh, mate. <laughs> don't start me
4: no i got me into the ground out there don't you worry about
2: that all right well we've got another offer for you yeah my great mate and outback trucker buddy yogi kendall yogi with that big 900 legend pj with the purple paint job and the flames and everything he said he'd love to take you for a ride if you'd be in it
4: well that's two from two Uh, yogi I've heard some pretty good stories about Yogi over the years. Yeah. You know, Yogi comes very highly recommended. Uh, mm-hmm. and not easy trucking either in the outback. Yeah. So that wouldn't be dull.
2: Well, he's coming over to the east coast here soon, and we thought we might be able to get you a-, a ride on a sealed road. <laughs> well,
4: man, just uh, don't put me up the back of a road train when he's hauling, you know, 400 head of cattle. I, I just yeah. don't want any part of that. No,
2: well, I don't think he even knows how to tow two trailers, Yogi. <laughs> I went over there with him. You know what his least favourite word is? What's that? Work? Stakeholder. <laughs> so he took me out to the pub at Katanning.
4: Yeah, as you do.
2: And he bought two monstrous steaks and a couple of cans of emu bitter. Oh, emu. And he said, there you go, Mick, now we're stakeholders.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Mate, first of all, I mean, he, you had me with the initial offer, but anyone yeah. who drinks emu, I mean, come on, big fella. I mean, <laughs> I'll have emu sausages, but not emu lager.
2: Oh, well. <laughs>
4: yeah. We'll see. I, I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy to, to entertain the thought when Yogi's here. Yeah, sounds like a simple man.
2: We get a bit of film of you drinking a warm can of Emu oh. with Yogi, and I'd love to see the facial expression when you've done it, because I can tell you now it's an experience, mate.
4: Yeah, yeah um, all right. Well, you got me an experience.
2: Right, eh? And, of course, the other offer would be you could come with the biggest loudmouthed Australian trucking for a ride. Yeah. That'd be me.
4: Well, I've already promised you that. <laughs> Even me talking to you is a yes. All um, right. So I'm happy to do time-allowing all three. Right, eh? Like I said, I'm a big fan of the industry and... I think it's been a pretty tough couple of years, and I think truckies don't get the best rap in the media, and I'm, for one, I'm one who stands up and says that that's not true and that's not right, and we need to start reversing it.
2: Yeah, well, I appreciate that, mate, and probably one of the best industries in the world, really, trucking-wise, and, yeah. and we do a lot of things that are the envy of other parts of the world, and we do a bloody good job of it. You sure do. Proud to be a part of it.
4: Yeah. Well, mate, and, and especially during the last couple of years, I think it was rammed home to everyone that it's incredibly difficult and it's an incredibly important industry. And I've got my brother who's out at Griffith and, you know, he's on the, on the land there and he's he's working uh, almonds and all sorts of things. And so, you know, truckies are a vital part of his existence and the same for my aunts in Cairns and yeah. uh, all over the place, mate, so… You know, it's, it's brilliant.
2: Well, I've been out around Griffith. We cart lots of white oil out there for the guys to spray the almonds with.
4: Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, the Dina Colas, mate, they run a, a place called Montalay. Yeah. And it's a magnificent farm. Yeah. Um, and I just admire that the only one who's working the land like that. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's fabulous. It's the heart and soul of, of this country, I reckon.
2: Well, there's a lot of things that are the heart and soul, mate. Anyway, look, I. That's true. I just sort of thought, well, you know, if I ever sort of get sick of trucking, I might have a crack at telly, but I've got a head on me like a robber's dog, mate. Do you reckon I'd have a shot?
4: I think uh, as long as you've got something interesting to say, because there's plenty of people who look good on TV that have nothing interesting to say, <laughs> who, who toe the line, who are politically correct. And as long as you've got something interesting to say, it doesn't really matter how you look, especially if you're a fella. Oh,
2: well, <laughs> <laughs> I know that you sit next to some of the loveliest ladies in television. How's that? I mean, how do you cope with that?
4: It's not easy. You know, it's, it's something that requires a lot of work and experience. <laughs> you know, there's always uh, challenges that, that mm. come with these things. Mm. But I think, as a bloke who, who admires the skill as well as everything else, you've just got to be able to, you know, go with the ebbs and flows of on air relationships and also be able to handle the nuances of the pressures that come uh, with on air. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, you guys out in the road when things come at you, that's when, you, when you're worth your money. Yep. Uh, and that's what happens uh, when you're working with uh, all the great people I work with in TV. Yep. That's how people respond under the pump, you know. Well, That was a beautiful answer, by the way. I'm
2: going to say that. With, well, I didn't put anyone in. No, it. no, that was a beautifully crafted answer. Well done. <laughs> Round of applause. <laughs> I wish I could say I scripted that for you, but I didn't. So, you know.
4: I had that one written out. I thought you'd ask that.
2: Oh, good on you. <laughs> so you've done more preparation for this interview than me then.
4: Well, I, I I wouldn't say preparation. I'm just constantly thinking about these things. Yeah, and you know, you you get all sorts of you know strange questions from journo's and stuff in the industry. Yeah, and I, I have been listening to your podcast. I've seen you on Sky. Have you? I, I thought there was a question like that coming. I think I've pegged you right. Am I right?
2: Oh, well, yeah. I've got to tell you, mate, I have done my homework. Mate. I know you have. I know you have. <laughs> and I'm not going to ask anything, mate. All I'm going to say is don't fly Jetstar,
4: right? Well, I mean, don't get me started.
2: Would you like me to start? Would you like me to tell you my Jetstar story? Y- you can go. You can go. You go. My lovely partner, Rose, and I went to Japan for our trip. You used to like to go overseas, at least occasionally. I'd always wanted to go to Japan, so we decided we'd fly to Japan. Why? Why? Mate, they were building things there in the 1500s that are still there today. What, like uh, sake and stuff? Well, yeah, there's that. I, <laughs> I I enjoy sake. I enjoy the sushi and sashimi, and I enjoy the ramen and, and all that sort of thing. It was a food trip.
4: Are you serious? You call yourself a truck driver?
2: Mate, uh, I eat a mix. The
4: last time I pulled up at any truck stop anywhere in Australia, I didn't see sushi there. (laughs) You've changed.
2: You will find a mixed grill, though. (laughs) Yes, that's right. (laughs) If you've seen a profile of me, mate, you'll see I've had more than my fair share of those.
4: Well, I don't mind a seafood basket in outback towns. Yeah, no, that's good. Stuff that's that's fully deep fried. That's good, yeah. No dangers, no dangers. But yeah, look, I I like Japan. I I went there a couple of years ago and covered the big earthquake and tsunami that happened um, over there. And uh, it was terrible, uh, terrible up in Sendai. Yeah. But I went into this little town and and it was completely leveled. In fact, there was a container ship that was resting like a seesaw on top of a building. Yeah. That's how much water came through there. You know, in the, the days that followed, the Japanese is patiently waiting for things to arrive. There was just no angst at all. I think, you know, they are they're very patient people and, and very polite. You know, very few places in the world are otherworldly, hmm. um, and Japan's one of them.
2: Yeah, it was fascinating to me. I into the like, history and the arms and armour and all that. I wanted to go to a sword museum and see some of the swords, but you know, that's a side issue.
4: I told you this is what would happen in this meandering chat that we're going to have. The one thing I have that that I've been lucky enough to afford is Japanese knives. I, I love them in the kitchen. The shun, oh, they're a terrific knife.
2: Yeah, I've got a few nice knives myself, mate. From from Japan. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Love them. Love a good knife. Yeah, You've got too. to have a good knife. You do. You do. <laughs> now, now. Jetstar. So let me get back to bagging Jetstar, will you? Yeah. Yeah. Go on. You've distracted me. I knew this was going to happen with you. Mm, go on. We're about to fly back out of Tokyo. Yeah. There's a bloody typhoon coming. Mm. Rose and I are in Osaka. We we're about to go and get on the bullet train to go back to Tokyo and you know, do a few things on the way back. And we get this bloody message that says our flight's been cancelled yeah out of tokyo oh yeah it's annoying so here we are i've got medication you know for blood pressure and stuff because i've got to talk to idiots all the time and my blood pressure goes (laughs) through the roof so i've got the blood pressure medication i've only taken enough stuff with me for our trip you know we haven't taken extra yeah so we need to come home and god it was hard enough just trying to buy something to uh, settle your stomach in there Without trying to go and sort anything else out but anyway we ended up, after much to and fro our uh, son-in-law ended up purchasing tickets for us on a Qantas flight out of Haneda that night, and we were probably the second last plane off the ground before the typhoon hit. And we're sitting there, and Jetstar you know, offered Rose and I a $50 voucher for cancelling our flight.
4: Wow, that would have got you much.
2: That annoys me, and of course they do it all the time. Mm. I heard about what happened with your daughter, obviously. Yeah. Just yeah. rude bastards, absolutely rude.
4: Well, she was coming out of the sunny coast, and... Mm. I mean, she's such a polite, beautiful, you know, seventeen-year-old, and mm. and she just had it like a carry-on bag. Well, the carry-on bag was, I think, ten point five kilos. I don't know what the regulation is, but whatever it is, she was point five a kilo over. Yeah. So she goes, "Oh, look, I'll I'll just take the jumper out and put the other thing in my handbag." And the lady said. If you take anything out of that bag and put it in your handbag, we'll throw the whole thing out, then it'll be okay for you to get on this flight. I was like, are you serious? Yeah. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, like come on, they've already got a bad enough reputation. Yeah. To have people come along like that, I mean, it's just not cool. No. And it's not everyone, obviously, at Jetstar, and I think yeah. for the majority of Australians, they make flying, you know, kind of affordable. It's the only option for a lot of Australians, but yeah. there's no need to be shit with people, the customers who, who keep you employed.
2: No. Anyway, that's enough. Don't fly Jetstar. That's all I can say.
4: Well, unless you can't, unless you've got no choice.
2: Well, what <laughs> about that plane they're going to call Shazer. Have you heard about that rubbish? Nah. Oh, man, some guy's starting an airline or something, and they've bought one airplane, and they're calling it Shazer or something. Oh, they've
4: had a couple over the years. I think there was a Bonza. Yeah. Uh, and there was something else. Like, I remember doing a big story on when it started, and it didn't last long. Yeah. I mean, it is it, it is a tough haul, that business. Yeah. You know, and it's an expensive business, and it's a really expensive business if you get it wrong, and most do.
2: Yeah, well, anyway, they don't get it right when they don't treat their customers well, that's all
4: you don't mind if there's good customer service. Yeah. You know, most people are pretty patient and know things can go wrong and they certainly don't want to get on an aircraft that's unsafe. Yeah. So, you know, but it, but it's the way you handle people that gives me the irrits. Mm. And, and, and then, you know, it's like any kind of customer service and any small business that you have. If you don't have good customer service, um, then you're going to f*** it up and, and people won't come back. Yeah. You know, they just won't and, and nor should they. Yep. So, you know, that's that's my lot in life anyway.
2: No, oh, no, you're right. We're just going to slip off to a quick break and hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back in a moment.
0: There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents, and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page.
2: So, what do you drive,
4: Carl? So I've got a Toyota Land Cruiser. I got the last of the 200 series a couple of years ago. All right. It's a V8 diesel thing. <laughs> oh, mate, I don't care. I mean, I'm not going to wait for an f- electric vehicle. <laughs> you know, especially when I travel vast distances sometimes. And, and, and I, you know, I, it just doesn't work for me, that whole thing. Yeah. So, I mean, look, at uh, the change is coming, but I'm not particularly interested in it. And I'm not sure that you know, this is the wrong attitude I know in today's society. but Try and convince me that, that my vehicle is going to reduce carbon emissions, you know, is, is a pretty poor thing mm. to try and level on people. You know, I mean, it lo- I mean, you look at even coal. I mean, if we just suddenly sh- shut up shop with all our coal,
5: mm.
4: uh, we're going to have dramas, you know, which all the raving lefties in the city are going to go, you know, nuts if we don't close them. Well, I'll tell you what, they'll go nuts if they've got no power.
2: Well, they're complaining about that in Brighton now, mate. They're telling everyone, yeah, we've got to ration your power so we can charge our electric vehicles in Brighton, so
4: no just come on just come off it you know i mean Mm. there's got to be a transition we all get it but it doesn't have to be immediate and and if you shut these things down too quickly it's not going to work and so i I want the same power and i want the same distance in an electric vehicle before i even start looking at it and i certainly want it to be under 100 grand for a family car
2: yeah you know i'll tell you what you're talking about electric now i can get you a ride in an electric truck you know
4: yeah but how do they go man and what's the distances they can travel Well,
2: 500 Ks or so. Yeah, but is that
4: enough when you're long hauling and then you've got to charge it for two hours or three hours at least? Mate, I'll
2: tell you what, you'd be blown away with this thing. Really? Oh, mate. Oh, mate, Lex Forsyth up at Berkeley Vale. Yeah. He's got this thing called the Janus Electric. And it's got like plug in batteries on the side of it, just as simple as like changing the batteries in your 18 volt hand drill, you know?
4: Wow. Well, man, I'm I'm, I'm certainly open to it. I just, you know, I just didn't think the technology was there. And, and, you know, Twiggy is developing all sorts of, you know, big machinery over and down his mines, and that's all fine. But I don't think it's cheap.
2: No, it's not cheap. There's nothing cheap about it. (laughs) But but, uh, at the end of the day, like you say, it is coming.
4: Yeah, which is fine. I'm look. I, I want to do everything I can, but I, I just don't believe a lot of the bullshit out there at the moment. So you know, as far as I'm concerned, um, when it comes, it comes, and it will do it. But mostly, I'm I'm more concerned about uh, getting the bigger things right hmm. rather than than what's parked in my garage.
2: Well, that's probably true too. So a Sahara.
4: Yeah. Well, it's obviously not a cheap vehicle, but and yeah. I'm lucky to afford it. But the Toyotas are the best cars that I've ever had. I mean, they they just go and go and go and go. Yeah. And I've never, ever had a problem with a Toyota. I had a couple of Mercs, you know, back in the day when I was popular. (laughs) (laughs) And and I did have dramas with them. They're they're terrific cars. But, mate, the Toyota every day starts up. Yep. And it's cheaper to fix than than anything from Europe. So I'm pretty happy with it.
2: No, why wouldn't you be? They're a nice thing to drive too.
4: Yeah, they are, mate. I love it. I love the Toyotas. I actually ran. I had a, a lunch a few months ago, and I ran into the John Laws. Yep, and he and I were having a great conversation. Still a terrific fella, and he's yeah. still with it. And and we we're talking about doing a Toyota ad. Yep, and doing it together, like you know, the old generation and the newish generation together. And he goes, he goes, "What would you have that's possibly interesting to say to the consumer?" <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, mate, Big Laws. He's a legend.
2: Valvoline, you cannot hand a man a grander oil or some bloody thing you can't no, get a better no, you're oil
4: than that that's a spanner you can't hand a man a of spanner that's right yeah that's yeah, right yeah and Valvoline is oils ain't oils that's right jesus thanks no, listen i know my ads
2: thanks for that mate i sometimes i need to be corrected
4: uh, no, I'm paid by advertisers, so it pays to know them.
2: <laughs> oh, well, the, something I've never thought about. I mean, when you go to put your show together, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's more to it than just the amount of time that you're sitting in front of the camera. There's got to be some mm. preparation, and you, know, you shoot your bits, and you, yeah. I mean, you don't do all that. You have producers that do a lot of that stuff for you, don't you?
4: Well, there's elements of the show that that have to be. I mean, you just can't do everything. But for me, I I mean, I've been doing it 17 years that today, Sean. I've been a journalist for more than that, for near on 30 years now. And so I don't necessarily sit down and research every little thing Mm. because most things like politics or natural disasters or anything like that, they they sort of happen in real time. And so I check in all day on particular issues to see if it's moved any so that you know you're, you're completely up to date. I mean, that's the most important thing, to be able to be up to date with your own research. So that never stops for me. Yeah. I'm always checking things out. I might, I might be diving in for two minutes you know, here and there. But, and if you've got a big interview with the Prime Minister, you spend a bit more time on it but it's pretty obvious to me the things that need to be asked. Yeah. But you've got to be aware that if, if you stuff something up, you know, my, my great belief is that the viewers out there and listeners, they know a lot more about stuff than I do mm. the majority of the time, and, and they will spot you if you're underdone. Oh yeah. So it's, it's a big thing for me to be across as many things as I can. And on any given day across the three and a half hours that we go to air, that's kind of a lot of stuff to be across, yeah. And 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 it doesn't work to cram; it just works to consume the whole time like a sponge.
2: Yeah. And of course, any of your haters are more than happy to kang you to death if you make even the smallest mistake.
4: Yeah, I'm not. Look, it doesn't worry me. I, I mean, I just I, I know if I've done something wrong, mm. generally the public will let me know before anyone else. Yeah. Other media having a go at me doesn't it, it doesn't really worry me. It I've got a really thick skin after a long time in the business and yeah. and you've just got to – it's water off a of duck's back mainly um, and you just got to get on with it because it doesn't really matter. Mm. But it, the important stuff, when you get something policy-wise wrong or you get a feeling wrong in a town or you, you're running an editorial on something maybe that's happening in the Chuka and you, don't, you get that wrong, then that's bad. Yep. And so for me, that's really important to get the research done around that. And I'm forever ringing people in those little towns and editors, and you know, reading local rags and listening to local radio stations. And so that's the thing that I like doing to try and be across stuff.
2: Yep. Mate, just probably one other question that I, I really had to ask you because, you know, you are an on-air media personality that's sort of in the chair and in people's lounge rooms every week, you know, or every day, every week, pretty much. Yeah. This habit we've got now, when anything happens, we have to run it on every channel 24 hours a day. Yeah. Drives me absolutely bananas.
4: Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, look, uh, the thing is that the, the media landscape has changed so significantly And the cycle of media now is really quick. It used to be that that a story could last weeks. And so it would drip feed out over weeks. Yeah. Now you've got a 24-hour news cycle. Um, you've got social media. Um, you've got Instagram. You've got TikTok. You've got yeah. you know the Daily Mail. Um, you know the, all these online websites where news is instant. Yeah. So generally speaking, mainstream media will hit something and exhaust it mm. and, and ring it dry until there's nothing left. Yeah. And the public is fully aware of that. And they come along for a short period, but then what I've noticed is that 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 people can drop off something unless you find the human side of it so the news story is always there but unless you can you can communicate that through human beings um and and connect with the human beings who it's affecting you will lose the audience like you so for example if we're covering something in a Tuca by day two you're, you're sick of it right yeah but by day two i'm talking to a guy who's going to lose his house now because council made a sh- decision about where to put that levy yeah uh, and and then i find another person who you know and then it's suddenly i've got 200 people yeah. and now it, it's not just a story it's a human interest story and and it's and it's and it's people versus councils yeah and, and you know councils make horrendous decisions oh. all the time yeah and it's not i know it's not an easy job but really they should just stick to potholes and Barking dogs.
2: Oh, don't even. Yeah, it,
4: yeah. No, no, no. It's like, you know, come on, stop it. You know, I don't even know who pays you. And there's full the, the entitlement. And I mean, look, that's a big generalization as well. There are great counselors out there and there are great councils. Hmm. But for the most part, I mean, right across Australia, they are a massive waste of time.
2: Yeah. I'm not arguing.
4: Don't get me started. You're
2: not going to get an argument out of me, mate.
4: No, no, I don't, I don't want to rant. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's my day off. I'm watching the races and I'm talking to you. It's, you know, it's, it's a lovely vibe. Well, and, and yeah, you've got talking about council. You're doing
2: us. any good in the races? Uh,
4: you know, it's more a relaxation thing for me. Yeah, <laughs> that means terrible. <laughs> <laughs> My brother rang today, rang him this morning. My brother Pete is in the media, Sky News, and he rings yeah, me and he goes, yeah. oh, mate, who you got for the races? And, and I said, oh, man, uh, I'm going to go blah, blah, blah. And my wife pops up from the back of the car and she goes, I don't know how long you've known him, Pete, but it ain't his strong point gambling.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I, I don't mind the relaxation of it on a Saturday afternoon.
2: My nan used to ring dad up and, Same. and his brother up and they'd say, take me to the races. And, of course, that meant come around and have coffee and watch the races on television.
4: Yeah, no, no, my 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 grandmother Nan in 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 Cairns. Mm. We used to go to the Cairns races all the time. Yeah, and and it was just it was fabulous. Um, and and even from when I was a kid. And we used to also work around the track and we used to do all these, you know, wonderful things around horses that were, were just awesome. And yeah. I I've always loved, you know, being around them and, and I and I've loved the vibe around the track and, and it's always just great fun for me. Yeah. So that's part of my relaxation on a on any given weekend, if I can if I've got stuff on. Work and, and the kids and stuff.
2: Mate. Thanks for coming on the show and having a bit of a chat with us. I really do appreciate your time on a uh, Saturday afternoon interrupting your racing agenda, this guy.
4: <laughs> but it's always a pleasure. You can call me anytime. And, I, you know, I, I think it's wonderful what you're doing out there. And also the industry, it needs a little bit of care and, and uplifting and support. And I'm happy to be the person that, that helps out with any of that.
2: Well, I would appreciate that a lot, mate. We'll tee up a ride with Yogs and with everyone else and maybe throw some cameras in there and you can show your television audience what it's like to drive a big truck.
4: Happy to do it, my man. Great to talk to you.
2: That was Carl Stefanovic, Channel 9 Today Show media personality. What can I say? A lot of fun chatting with him and having a bit of a laugh. Great to see that he's a supporter of the industry, and I'm going to take him up on it. We're going to do a bit of positive publicity for the trucking industry. It's about time we had someone in the media who was on our side and quite prepared to tell a happy story.
4: Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcast every week on the Australian Big
0: Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kumi on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there, and in the meantime, take care of you.
2: Got me there, Andy. Gotcha go. Better throw out those anchors, buddy. The traffic's at a standstill up here. I reckon some clown's got himself stuck under the Dunlop Terrace Railway Bridge again. Again? Maybe he was delivering a bridge and ran out of diesel. Yeah, it's no joke really. According to Queensland Rail, there's been 65 bridge strikes and around 280 of those protection beams hit on the Queensland Rail network in the last financial year.
0: With the fines around 11 and a half grand, you'd think drivers would make a point
2: of knowing the height of their truck. The fines are one thing, more to the point these people are risking their lives and putting others in danger.
0: Yeah, roger that.
2: Maybe Queensland Rail should do
0: some kind of educational advertising to warn drivers about the danger of brute strikes.
2: They are mate, why do you think we're recording this? <laughs> oh yeah, they're smart people at Queensland Rail. They're yeah, good looking too, just like us.
0: <laughs> this safety message is brought to you by Queensland Rail as a reminder to us all that size matters, know your trucking height. Our Aussie homegrown music artist in the guest seat this week is James Keith. You might not have heard his name before, but it's pretty safe to say you'll be hearing a lot more from him in the future. Now, before deciding to focus 100% on his music career, James was a professional NRL rugby league player, which is hardly surprising given that his father is Peter Mortimer and Steve and Chris Mortimer are his uncles, all legendary players in years gone by with the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. When the opportunity arose to follow in his father's footsteps, James moved from his hometown in Orange to Sydney's northern beaches to don the jersey for the manly Warringah Sea Eagles. It was in 2011, when visiting the home of country music in Nashville, Tennessee, that he discovered country music with a positive message, and that has become his focus ever since. His new single, Life is Good Today, is a positive song filled with the feel-good vibes that have become a real mantra for James his hometown of orange still holds a special place in his heart which is why it was the site of the video clip for his new single filmed during a live performance at the cwa hall in orange and capturing the raw energy james projects through his music it's our very great pleasure this week to welcome to the show james keith to talk about his footy his music and more Good James. Thanks for sparing us a little of your time today.
6: No worries, Andy. Thanks for having me on, mate.
0: Elephant in the room, let's start off. It's not often we chat with a muso that was once a professional footy player, and certainly not one with the family pedigree you have. You're part of the legendary Bulldogs dynasty that is the Mortimer family. Mate, how the heck did you end up playing for Manly? <laughs>
6: Good question. So we obviously grew up in Orange and uh, Crusher Cleal, Noel Cleal. he was the talent scout for Manly at the time.
0: Oh, and a legend too.
6: Yeah, he's a terrific bloke, mate. He's a bushy. And I mean, we had offers to go down to Bulldogs, you know, when we were young kids, but dad just would never send us down until he thought we were actually ready. And That was kind of a good thing, too. We had to make it on our own. Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, mate, Crusher Khalil came out and brought uh, me and my brother Tim and a few other boys down to Manly. So, yeah, we went down to the peninsula and kind of loved the area and kind of spent a lot of time down there.
0: Oh, brilliant. So you ended up at Silvertail. Shame you didn't end up at the Dragons, but that's my issue, not yours.
6: (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Yeah, mate, the silver tails, but you know, obviously, you know, one eye blue, one eye white. But mate, it was great to spend some time at Manly, and I really enjoyed my time there. And not like any rugby league club, mate, you're, you're always good. You're the same kind of people, so it was, it, I enjoyed my time there, mate.
0: Oh, uh, absolutely. Look, and a confession too, I have been a lifelong Dragon supporter, and I grew up and played juniors for Penrith, so
6: yeah, yeah, heart yeah.
0: torn there. I know how it works. <laughs>
6: Well, especially when Daniel went to Parramatta, we we're just like, "What's going on there?" Oh yeah, and brother Daniel. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, mate, we we all had a crack, and it was it was good fun, mate.
0: Good stuff. Well, was it difficult walking away from the family business, so to speak, and pushing forward with the music career?
6: Uh look, it wasn't because, like, like rugby league. I mean, it's got a shelf life, and we all get a bit older and a bit sore in the morning and stuff like that. So yeah, look, I I definitely you know wanted to follow Dad's footsteps and move down to mainly to do so. But yeah, mate, the good thing was with the guitar is. I've been playing since I was eight, but it's just a it's a manual instrument. You can take it anywhere you want, anywhere you want, and yeah. and I would take it on you know bus trips and footy trips and basically wherever we would go and uh, and you know sing along and just create a good atmosphere. It's a social instrument, so it probably helped me in a way because I was always playing in front of people and yep. you know getting sing-alongs going, and that kind of that kind of went hand in hand. So as I said, it's probably helped me in a way I, I didn't realise at the time.
0: Yeah. And going back a few years, you had an experience in Asheville, the home of country music, and that kind of led you to that point where, well, everything I've read about you emphasises your commitment to positivity and optimism, and it's particularly evident in your new single. What's the background story to Life Is Good Today?
6: Yes, so... Um as I said, I I didn't like country music growing up. I mean, I I, I love rock. You know, yeah. that was kind of the influence. So yeah. I went to Nashville in 2011 with some boys, and if anyone's been to Nashville, you can't not like country music going to Nashville. Like,
0: oh, for sure. There, there
6: was a song. Um, it was called Zach Brown Band. Uh, their song called Toes was just released.
0: Love the Zach Brown Band.
6: Yeah, it's, it's, and it's got the line, "Life is good today." And obviously, I didn't know what it was at the time because I didn't like country music. So. That line, it just really resonated with me. And, and I came back to Australia and I was like, what? Like, what is this song? What is this? I had to find out more. And then I found out it was Toes by Zac Brown Band. And then that was my love of country music kicked off. I mean, yeah. I love Zac Brown Band. And, but just that saying was really positive And just, I, I don't know, just just something clicked that day. And, and I have not stopped listening to country music since. So that was kind of how I fell in love with country music. And then I suppose the positive message about it is, I started writing the album a couple of years ago when I was in a pretty dark place, and, mm. and I was just looking for positives, and you know wherever you can find them. And, and I look, like, and they're everywhere. You Just a lot of people just, you know, they 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 breeze over those and tend to focus on the negative. So yeah. I mean, this song, yeah, Life is Good Today, I mean, it talks about, you know, having a mystery long net with my old man or, you know, spending time with your kids or, you know, going to a show. It's just day-to-day things where, you know, people take for granted. But, you know, life is good today and you've got to embrace it because, you know, you've got to live in the moment. You don't know what's going to happen around the corner. So, you know, the key message in this song is, you know, live in the moment because life is good today.
0: Yeah, well, that's the truth, brother, for sure. Now, what are your plans for the future, mate? More new music, shows, all that kind of stuff?
6: yeah so i've just released my debut single life is good today last friday yep so i've got an album coming out middle of next year which is also called life is good today so that's that's all done yeah obviously i'm a debut artist so you know i don't want to put all the music out at once so we're going to drip feed it but yeah i've got big plans for next year i've got some really exciting news coming up with film clips and and stuff next week but so if you follow my socials uh, james keith music you can listen to all the music there you can follow the journey check out the film clips and we are planning to do a tour next year so that's all in all in the pipeline at the moment
0: oh brilliant well that just completely kills my next question because i was going to ask you about your website and socials and you've covered that thank you
6: <laughs> well I, I do have a website that's www.jameskeith.au so that's that's the website and then yeah i'm the, the socials is james keith music
0: okay well mate it's time for us to play your new single thank you again for coming out to play on the road with us today
6: No worries, uh, Andy, mate. I really appreciate your time, mate. This is a a dream come true to have the song out there, so hopefully everyone enjoys it and it's designed to play loud and play live, so turn this one up. This is my new single, Life Is Good Today.
0: Cheers, James. Be safe, mate.
6: No worries. Thank you very much, Andy, for your time, mate. You're a legend.
5: i
0: Dane Sharp, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy on the Big
2: Rig Road Show.
0: Something to talk about, to talk about. To talk about is brought to you by Only Trucks and Credit One. Buying your next truck has never been so easy. Go to onlytrucks.com.au.
2: We've been looking at this rest area funding that's coming up, and obviously as soon as the committees and the chair of the committee and everything's announced, we'll know a lot more and we'll be able to get a feel of the shape of how it's going to look. There's been a lot of people talking about how this money's going to be spent, and rightfully so. $80 million is a lot of money, but when it comes to spending on things like rest areas, it doesn't go very far. We all know that pad at Gatton, for example, cost $18 million and didn't even have some toilets on it. So if we're going to get the best bang for our buck out of this money, then we really have to have a serious think about how the money's spent and where we channel it into. I've heard lots of comments saying that I expect that it's going to end up in the hands of consultants and we're going to spend our time on environmental studies and things like that. Maybe some of it will be spent on that. I don't know. It depends on if you want to go and put in a brand new rest area somewhere. There are a couple of things that need to happen. There's a bit we need to think about and obviously there's a lot that needs to be talked about. I know for a fact that the committee is going to be looking for driver input and at this point I would invite you all to pick a location and send your input to the location. So I fully expect, in fact I'm 99.9% sure that someone like Rod Hannafie is going to be on the committee. And I would expect that an email to him at the National Road Freighters Association with the suggestions about rest areas probably wouldn't be wasted. The other part about this is that we can make more mileage out of some of this money by improvements to areas that already exist. So informal parking bays, expanding Rod's Green reflector program to accommodate more areas and be more focused throughout the state, I suppose. Even some signage on the side of the road just to let drivers know where the next rest areas are and because we all don't drive up and down the same roads every day. We end up in places where we don't normally go. And It certainly happens to me on a weekly basis. I'll tend to end up on a road that I don't normally travel on and it's hard to bring to mind where these rest areas are. Some signage wouldn't go astray. There are other things to consider though. Now obviously one of the big things that is going to be talked about is going to be a changeover at Clybucker. Now, there are changeover bases, one at Tarkata, obviously, one at Nil. Between our three capitals, changeovers are a nightly event. We know that they are. talking to a listener the other day and it was said to me that why should the councils in these two places pay for those rest areas? Why shouldn't the people that use them pay for them? And I've got to tell you, I've got a little bit of sympathy for that idea. The rest of the driving community can't use them as rest areas to go and have a long break in. Let's face it, who wants to be stuck in the middle of the slamming of bloody turntables and beeping of reversing buzzes all night when you're trying to have a sleep? So, you're certainly not going to go near any one of these things when you're having a rest. They've got facilities at these things, they need to be cleaned and looked after. The likes of Tolls and Scott's and all these other big carriers that use these rest areas on a nightly basis, their drivers are the ones that are using the facilities. Perhaps it's about time we start to look at some way that some of these companies could offset the expense of these facilities to the councils and things. Because let's face it, the drivers go there. They don't bring anything to the community apart from Jake breaks at 4am and that's about it. Something to talk about. All right. You know how to get me. Mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au 0418722488 is the number. Send me a text. Give me a call if you want to. Let's kick this one around a little bit, see what happens. Stay safe out there. We'll see you on the road. Copy me there, Andy. Yeah, got you go. you got to love that big brekkie at the roadhouse.
0: Oh, you're not wrong. It's a great feed. Hey, was that Davo's truck that came in spluttering and
2: coughing like an old tractor? Yeah mate, I think it's about time you upgraded the old girl. Yeah, roger that. It's a bit of a nightmare shopping for a new rig. Doesn't have to be mate. Found this place called Only Trucks. An online one-stop shop for buying and selling trucks. Of all the best makes and models, it's associated with Credit One. Organise the finance for you. You can deal with the seller's direct of the website. Cut out the middleman. Save time and money.
0: Sounds like the way to go. Where do I find them?
2: Too easy, mate. Go to onlytrucks.com.au and it's all laid out there for you.
0: You should send Davo a text and tell him to go to Only Trucks and get a new rig. Might just buy you a beer or three.
2: Davo? He wouldn't shout if he was bit by a shark, mate.
0: <laughs> Upgrading your truck has never been so easy. Go to onlytrucks.com.au
1: Number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you doing, just smile and tell them, never better.
0: We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. Oh,
1: am I the only one who says I'm fine? Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. But I'm not. So let the truth be told.
0: On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rings, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Afternoon, Michael. How
2: no, what am I in trouble, am I?
0: No, no, no. I just felt like being a little bit formal today.
2: Did you? Because yeah. so I only ever got called Michael by mum, and that was when I was in trouble. And when I was really in trouble, it was Michael Leslie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I... So that sort of gave me an indication of the scale of the trouble. So I was just sort of paranoid now, mate. I've got baggage. What can I say?
0: There you go. Hey, uh, we seem to have gone from winter straight to summer and now back to autumn, mate. Crazy weather.
2: Yeah, mate. Uh, well, we've had uh, four seasons in the day down here, mate. We've had rain this morning, then wind and rain, and now it's sunny outside. It's swear it was a lovely you know, early summer, late spring day outside right now.
0: What, have you moved to Melbourne or something, have
2: you? <laughs> I must, have, must have changed the postcode and didn't tell me, yeah.
0: Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, just finishing the editing of your interview with Carl, mm. very good interview, mate. Enjoyed that.
2: Oh, that's nice. I, I, I had a good time talking with Carl. He's a funny guy.
0: He is. But it got me thinking, you know, it's a bit of a risk when we run some of these interviews with these famous people and celebrities, Mm. because we don't ever want to be accused of being guilty of name-dropping.
5: No, sure.
0: You know, and to date, I don't think anyone's had a problem with it, Mm. as best I know it. Right. It's just that when I was chatting over a beer with Bruce Springsteen the other day, he warned me it could happen.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you can get yourself into real trouble.
0: We might need to be careful on that one. Mm. Mate, last Sunday, the Sydney Convoy for Kids rolled out from the Sydney Dragway to the Hawkesbury Showground with over 100 trucks, hot rods and classic cars joining in the event. However, I see only three motorcycles. That's a bit disappointing.
2: Bit bit of a poor showing from the bikies, eh?
0: Where's my brothers?
2: I don't know. know. They weren't at the convoy. That's where they weren't. Mm. Uh, Look, it was a great Sydney day and it's an early start. The convoys and everything are starting to get underway now. We've got a few going on.
5: It's
0: convoy season.
2: It is convoy season, mate. All to raise money for various charities, Sydney Convoys for NETS, which is the newborn and paediatric emergency transport service in New South Wales. Mm. And, look, we do a wonderful job and it's on these days where people see us rolling around and you know, we're quite happy to see the trucks blocking the roads. Yes. <laughs> That's a place when we're driving to work. Yeah. The Convoy for Kids does a great thing. All of the convoys do great things. So we all raise lots and lots of money, millions and millions of dollars across Australia every year raised. Yep. And uh, get behind them and support them. Buy a little bit of the merch if you can. As I say, we've got the other Warrior convoy for kids coming up towards the end of November down here. I'll be down there for that.
0: That's your big one, isn't it?
2: That's my big one, mate. We'll be down there. We raised over three million last year. I think they raised. Wow, it's lots of money, and it all goes to great causes. I mean, to take it away from the news story at bigweeks.com.au on the Sydney convoy. Sorry, guys. There's a lot to it. There's more to it than just the trucks. It's a whole community get together rides, food, and it's like a little show day. It's brilliant. And the New South Wales guys sort of get right into it. Mm. It's all about it, just having a great day, an early start, and truckies are still caring for the kids. Yeah, so That's what it is.
0: It's a good thing. Well, a uh, call out to all my biking brethren. Mm. Make sure you get out to one of these things. It'll be a great day if you ride a Triumph. If you ride a Harley, make sure you've got a back-up ute with spare parts <laughs> and get into the spirit of it.
2: Yeah, that's right. Mm i not going to
0: do any jokes about Harleys. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Too
2: late. You've already beaten
0: me to it. An alleged carjacking attempt in the Melbourne CBD this week was apparently thwarted... I love that word. Thwarted by a quick-thinking truckie who's being hailed as a hero by witnesses at the scene.
2: That's right. How hmm. this guys running around with a meat cleaver?
0: Who, the truckie? You're the... <laughs> <laughs> the, car,
2: the carjacker. Oh, OK. Also, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was a truck. Usually with a truck, it's a binder bar or a little tyre billy that you use to check the air pressure in your tyres. You know? It's usually it's one of those. Mm. The patrolling priest...
0: Patrolling priest? <laughs> the,
2: patrolling, <laughs> the patrolling police arrived from nearby and they arrested a the 37-year-old bloke and another 25-year-old. According to the police. A grey Mazda sedan crashed into this blue Audi and there was a stationary traffic lights in King Street. mm bit of an altercation there, a little bit of road rage happening, I suppose. Mm. These things happen every day, you know, although it's not really a carjacking. you sort of got to wonder what goes on some of these people, you know. Yeah. The alleged attempt of carjacking occurred at King and Collar Streets in Melbourne about 7.30 in the morning, so mm. obviously really going to make a fast getaway at 7.40 in the morning in the middle of the city.
0: Obviously got out of the wrong side of bed and didn't have his breakfast.
2: That's right. Yeah. Now, I've had it happen to me before, mate. I, I, I wasn't involved in this, of course, but plenty of road rage going on out there. We share the road with these people, you know.
0: That's scary, isn't it? It is. Election time looms in Victoria and the State Labor Government is offering truck operators up to $20,000 to upgrade their vehicles in a bid to improve air quality. Now, what does the cynic in you say on this one?
2: <laughs> the cynic in me. Yeah. That why I didn't pay the GST on a new truck. There you go. That's where we start. Mm-hmm. All these little pie-in-the-sky ideas. Let's just say that this is just something that's a little bit of a feel-good, It's a little bit of a throw-something out there. Maybe someone will save twenty grand. good on them. Mm-hmm. If they do, they might be able to afford to put some diesel in their truck for a month or so. Yeah. That's the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Dan is on a massive vote-buying exercise. This is just a cynical vote-buying grab, in my opinion. I and mean, it's like the $15 million for the basketball team, you know? Yeah, yeah. I could go off on a real rant about that, mate. Let's spend $15 million fixing the mucked-up ambulance service down there, the triple-O thing. Yeah. But no, no, no. I want to stick it to genus, so I'll spend $15 million on a basketball team. Mm. Is this dickhead even aware that it's a national basketball team, not a Victorian basketball team?
0: It's actually a netball team, I think, isn't it? It is, sorry? Yeah.
2: It actually is a netball team. That goes to show you how cynical I am about it, mate. I'm not even interested in it. No one's interested. No one cares. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, netball. Netball. Thanks for correcting me. Sometimes I'm wrong, like I said.
0: (laughs) Anytime, mate. That's what I'm here for. That's right. It seems that many transport companies are getting a bit creative as they look for ways to combat the driver shortage and attract Mm -hmm. new staff.
2: Well, they are. They'll do and say just about anything, and I, I find it wildly amusing that the sign-on incentives and the sign-on bonuses and things like that are starting to be the way we're going to go. Some of these guys are, are really, really surprising me. I talk about in the story. They talk about even McCabe with the five thousand dollar bonus for new recruits, but office manager Lana Moser tells us that only one driver has qualified for the prorated payments under the scheme so far because they haven't stayed long enough. Mm. Obviously, the money's got strings attached, and you'd be mad if it didn't. Yeah. There's more to it than money, and this is what it shows. Even if guys are going there to McCabe's, I don't want to bag McCabe's. You know, I don't know enough about them to have anything to say about them. I've seen them going around. You know, They've got a fairly impressive array of some new trucks. You know, I know trucks when I'm driving up and down the road and they've got a lot of newer, later model trucks now. Mm. There's more to it than the trucks. There's more to it than the money. It's the whole recipe that decides where the people are going to stay. Yep. And the sign-on bonuses and everything are just the start. On this subject, I was trolling around on Facebook in one of the job groups mm-hmm. and I'd love to just read the ad out. So he's got a picture of an old Argosy. It's not even a late model Argosy. It's a fairly old one. Yep. And he says, pilot required for the Red Rocket must have an MC licence. This is a live-on-board position which launches six to seven days a week for the harvest and beyond. Goes on to detail where the work is and all the rest of it. And he says, so must be capable of following instructions and directions, common sense, willingness to have a crack and deal with whatever happens. Attitude is everything in the role. It's outback trucking. It's not wine hall or babysitting. Shit will happen and you will have to deal with it. you would rather have someone to teach... You don't have to have much experience. I'd rather teach you than have an expert. And I think, okay, fine. So I decoded that. Mm. <laughs> As you do? I decoded that to, so come and drive an old sh- box, get rooted around and have to put up with all kinds of bullshit while like keeping you cool. Can't have an attitude problem. Okay, that's fine. At least it's honest. But the question is, how much does it pay? Mm-hmm. And he's come back to me and he said, uh, you're not the guy I'm chasing. <laughs> Obviously not. And I was oh, telling him, I've been talking about driver training, recruitment, etc. I said, I find job ads wildly amusing. Decoding what the employers really want is something that's not easy. Mm. You've broken the mould with yours. You've clearly got what you want in mind and you're prepared to say it out loud. I actually respect that, by the way. Yeah. No bullshit, this is what this. Yep. The real question is, what does it pay? And of course, then he says, I don't want to talk about it in an open forum like Facebook. Mm. So.
0: Your reputation precedes you, mate.
2: I'm not the bloke he's looking for. No. What he's looking for is someone that doesn't have a clue. Mm. You know, who knows, mate? He might be a great guy. He might be good to work for. And, you know, who says old trucks are bad trucks? I mean, I've had my share of old trucks. Sometimes they're good. Mm. But at the end of the day, you've just got to wonder what he's actually looking for, don't
0: you? We might have to have a chat with him later on and see how it's all turned out for him.
2: (laughs) I wonder if he'd even take my phone call.
0: Yeah, maybe not. yeah. Well, mate, we've got a massive show this week, so we're going to need to pull the pin on the news there. And for that very same reason, there's no thought for the week. I'll I'll double up and give you two next week. But quite importantly, to finish up the news this week, you've recorded an interview which follows on from your piece a couple of weeks ago about the upcoming Transport Workers' Union in Victoria elections. You've got something of a right of reply, I'm assuming.
2: But I do, through a couple of mutual friends, Mike McNess, who is the current Secretary of Victoria, Tasmania, TWU, got in contact with me and asked if he could have some time on the show to answer some of the things that were put by our previous guest, Luke McCrone. Hmm. And I have no problem with doing that at all. We're an equal opportunity platform. We'd love to abuse everyone.
5: Absolutely.
2: Mike's come on the show and we've had a bit of a recording and i think you know if you're interested in what's going on it'll be well worth staying tuned to have a listen to what he had to say
0: absolutely well to keep it real here it is raw and unedited cheers mate have a good one you too buddy for all the latest industry news go to www.bigrigs.com.au
2: A couple of weeks ago, I had a bloke named Luke McCrone on the show, and he's running a slate of candidates in the Victoria-Tasmania TWU elections coming up in November. As a result of that, I've had a few uh, conversations with different guys, and Mike McNess, who's the Secretary of the TWU-Tasmania-Victoria, reached out to me and asked for a bit of time on the show. I'm quite happy to give it to him and hear what he's got to say. Mike McNess, welcome to the show, mate. How are you, Mike? Thanks for having me. Mate, I'm absolutely wonderful, glorious day up here in Sydney, not raining today. So I hope you're getting a bit better weather down in Melbourne too. It's been a bit damp down there. I I
3: can't guarantee
2: you that, unfortunately. It's raining (laughs) as we speak. (laughs) Raining as we speak. Awesome. Mate, uh, the election's coming up in November. And uh, as I said, uh, I gave Luke some time on the show there the other day. He was pretty critical of the way uh, the union's been run in in, uh, uh, Victoria, Tasmania said to me that the uh, the numbers were down compared to what they've been and he reckons you guys are paying yourself too much, mate. <laughs> Where do you go from there?
3: Yeah, well, look, uh, uh, thanks, Mike. We do have a an election. Uh, we run in a, a four-year cycle, so it's up at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and, um, I mean, really, essentially, all you need to do to compete in the election or participate is to fill out some paperwork, uh, get yourself a ticket together, mm. and away you go. So, um, you know, we've got someone who's stuck his hand up uh, to do that, that uh, I did listen to you uh, your last week's uh, podcast, and I, I can't say I, I agreed with a great deal. I've been at the union uh, a bit of, for a bit of time, and uh, the union's in a very good, strong position at the moment. We, uh, as uh, many industries did, we went through a hectic time with the COVID period. Uh, we lost seventeen hundred members. Uh, out of aviation alone, uh, but uh, I've stepped into the position of Branch Secretary for Victoria Tasmania in January and uh, we've had a, a massive rebuild. Uh, I'm very much focused on on strength within the union and making sure we're out there doing what we should be doing mm. And, uh, you know, I listened to some of the figures that were spouted last week, and uh, I can't agree with any of them. Uh, we've had uh, nearly 2,500 new members into the TWU, Vic Taz Branch, this year alone.
2: Well, obviously, as I say, I'm not here to defend you or to defend Luke or, or anyone from the union. I don't have I don't have any skin in the game. So, I, you know, I listen with interest to what Luke said, and I listen with interest to what you say, and I, I'm sure, you know, the members will be weighing up based on what they know, I was under the impression you'd been in the position that you're in now for quite some time. I've been with the union since 1995.
3: Mm. Uh, I started as a, um, well, essentially a, a bloke working the phones. Uh, it's always a good way to learn is to take the general inquiries. And uh, I made my way onto the road as a, uh, a union organiser and um i mean my third the first the first patch I had to look after was uh Footscray road i mean if you want to learn anything about transport that's not a bad place to start and you know I was there through the the patrick's dispute uh at, around that time uh but uh no I've, I've been with the union for some time but I've worked my way through uh, a number of, pos- of positions found myself as a, a senior uh organizer you know you work with a, a team of three or four uh organizers there and uh with our previous secretary stepping out of uh, the branch in um, January, uh, I had that opportunity to step in as branch secretary uh, at that point.
2: One of the criticisms that were levelled at you was that uh, you're in fact not a truck driver and you've never held the steering wheel in your hand. Do you think that that's even relevant? Look, it's, 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 it's interesting, actually. It's not true for a start. Okay. Uh, I started
3: driving um, uh, an old uh, 98... Uh, a uh, uh, 1988 Isuzu um, mm. cutting chook shit uh, out of the <laughs> western districts of um, um, Victoria, out to uh, Horsham, Hamilton, Werribee, and uh, Warrnambool. I did hear that comment uh, last week, and mm. you know, I mean, it, I don't think it is relevant personally, but uh, it certainly wasn't applicable. And uh, you know, to be fair to the issue, I, I'm not too sure that the the bloke that was on your your program last week. Uh, drove a truck at all until he was actually sacked by the TWU in in 2016, I think it was, uh, and then had to go and find a position within the the industry. But uh, it, it's an interesting question. I'm, I mean, I'm big on my uh, footy. I know you're probably an
2: NRL uh, no, so I, can't, I actually can't stand it, to be honest oh. with you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. But, it, you know, it's the age-old question. I mean, should umpires, um, you know, uh, uh, play the game? Um, I'm still 50-50 on it. I coach junior footy at the moment. Mm. But, uh, you know, it's, these are the people that sort of uh, uh, run the ruler over the game. You know, should they have played it? I don't know. It's an age-old debate,
2: but certainly uh, I've spent plenty of years behind the wheel. I'm just trying to get to the bottom of it all, mate. I mean, I'm so pleased we are able to get together and have a conversation about it. And as I've said to my listeners over and over again, I'll talk to anyone on this show, and uh, I don't care whether I agree with you or disagree with you. The, the fact of the matter is that we need to have a little bit of respectful debate and a conversation. We can come at things from either side of the fence. It really doesn't matter. Glenn Stirl and I sit on opposite sides of the fence in a lot of ways, but we've got a lot of stuff in common as well. I'm sure you and I do too. I don't like it when uh there are untruths being told and I'm a little bit disappointed that 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 in fact happened. So you are in fact a driver or you were at least.
3: Oh a- a- absolutely and uh, you know another interesting point I think I think you made it uh in your show last week mm. uh I, look I, I I know um uh the other bloke reasonably well. I did work with him for a period of time when he was at the TWU. Right. Um and you know he he has a uh, I suppose a few views that you might call sort of anti-establishment. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, in some ways that, that can be good, but mm. it's not good when you're trying to increase the union's footprint. And we have a very strong relationship with our other branches. We're a national union. Mm. Uh, we work very closely. You know, I work very closely with Tim Dawson, the secretary in WA. Uh, him and Sterley have done a lot of great work uh, over a couple of years um, around truck stops and uh, infrastructure on the road. Uh, but a point you made was uh, in regards to our national secretary Michael Kane. Yes, uh, and yes, uh, he's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also an extremely passionate and strong industrial advocate, uh, and he, he fills a the space there and has done for some time very well uh, in the transport industry, uh, and you know achieved a lot of good outcomes across the country. And it's well, I think it's respect is the key word. You, you've had him on your show a couple of times. I know you've had your disagreements and you probably still do but mm. uh, I think the point you made was that uh, he was prepared to come on and have a chat with you uh, you made that point last week
2: well I asked him some pretty tough questions I didn't cut him any favors no well he's, he's a he's a he's a he's not an idiot he, he's a tough <laughs> cookie. he knows his stuff yeah um and
3: again you know maybe it's that um that sort of umpire's uh, approach there you know he, he's worked very hard as an industrial advocate and you know, I mean, I've got 27 years as a, as a union official myself. I, I, would, I would have thought that that kind of experience would serve our membership very well. Hmm.
2: Well, I don't know one way or the other, mate. As I say, I, I don't have any skin in the game. I certainly have my issues with the way long-distance drivers have been represented historically by the union. But that's a conversation for another day. The fact is that the members are going to come out in November with their uh, mail ballot, I think it is. It's going out, isn't it? That's correct, they'll be out there by mail, drops on the 14th of November. Right, so they'll, they'll have their say. I mean, Michael, if there was some, one thing that, that you could say to them before the election, uh, would it be, oh, I won't put words in your mouth, mate, what would it be? What would it be? Well, we, we've, the union's got a very good story,
3: um, and we, we've had a, a, a bit of a forge ahead probably over the last six or seven years. Our members know that. Um, I've I've had my own area, my own patch to look after right up until January this year. Uh, we've we've had a lot of momentum this year, uh, and I, I'm not someone who sits around in an office, Mike. Uh, I'm I'm out there standing in front of our members every day. I've kept a couple of yards that that I look after specifically, so I get calls from members on a day to day basis. Whether it's a matter of chasing up some overtime, or their annual leaves being stuffed up, or or their rosters are no good, whatever it might be, we've got a big plan forging ahead. Uh, through 2023 in the next couple of years. And uh, a lot of our agreements, uh, we did a a pretty big uh, handful of national agreements and and big operators uh, late last year. And we've got uh, now probably your your second and third tier operators coming up. And we've got a big plan to make sure that we bring those um, second and third tier operators up to where uh, some of the majors might be. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I mean, our... Our big mantra is, you know, really sort of strong conditions, job security, and and we want um, dignity in retirement. Superannuation is a big issue for us at the moment, uh, and many, many of our TW agreements now have a pathway to 15% super, which is, you know, obviously uh, well above the, the the government mandate. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's one of the advantages that we do have, certainly uh, as a strong branch at the moment, and to be quite frank, even going into next year and this election now uh we know our members we've got a strong relationship with our members they know us um you know uh, the other bloke running well he's been absent from the union now for uh six seven years uh, slightly longer uh and i think he's missed out on a lot he he had his chance um to represent transport workers and um, you know unfortunately with a few of his ideas and a few things he did um uh, he had to leave but uh We've got a positive story, I want to focus on the positive and uh, that's what we'll be doing over the next couple of weeks uh, and uh, we'll certainly be doing that uh, as we move through the election process.
2: we get through that and we can forge ahead with the future. Yeah mate, I've got a question to ask you and you might not like it. Alright, lay it on me mate. <laughs> All right. Mate, you know that I'm a long distance driver, right? Yes. You know that i get paid by the hour penalty rates rdos sick pay the whole thing i get paid like any other worker in any other part of the country absolutely right i'm one of the lucky ones i've got a unicorn job a great boss great equipment all the rest of it there's a lot of long distance drivers out here though mate that are on trip money and uh Sterlo and i are on the same page as this one mate we both reckon that the trip money is not fair and not right and not the way to go what do you got to say about that yeah, look it, it's an
3: interesting one and it's that, that eternal debate uh, and I mean I, I know you're asking me the question because uh, people like yourself and Glenn Stirl have been uh, throwing this around for years if mm. not decades uh, or longer the the idea I mean number one people need to be working safe and they need to be paid safely so you know the idea of let's let's just jump on a job rate for example um, you know if people got to get more work done to get more paid they're gonna they're going to run harder and obviously fatigue's going to be an issue. Mm. Uh we, we've got uh, uh, interstate uh, members, line all members in the TWU, um, whether they be uh, working in small operators, major operators or individual owner drivers uh, and uh, plenty of employees too. The, you know, uh, my view is number one, and, you know, again, with the union itself, um, even before my time spent a lot of time pushing the barrow for paid waiting times and all this sort of thing. And often that was an issue. Uh, especially amongst the owner-driver group. Uh, we've had some success in that. Uh, look, my, my fundamental view is that obviously people should be paid for the work that they do uh, yep. and they can be paid by the hour. I mean, that, that's, that's my fundamental view. I know I've got, um, and I was up at Barnawatha during the week um with uh, Ron Finnemore's up there hmm. uh and there's a bunch of guys there that drive up and down to the Woolworths distribution center south of Dandenong in Melbourne yes um and you know they like the trip rate uh, the kilometer rate um that that's something that seems to suit them uh there's going to be some movement in the location uh, that the receiving end and they think it's going to be beneficial for them but. Uh, you know, look, and and I'm not telling you anything you don't know. It's that eternal debate. I, I think as long as people are paid and paid safely, uh, and it's something that suits them, uh, then there's a, a reasonable outcome. But uh, you know, I mean, the, the fundamental basis of this for me is an hourly rate. Right? I think that's your starting point and you go from there.
2: Right, I agree. the The issue that we do have, though, that we're we're very willing to import drivers right now, and the rela- and the work conditions that they'll receive here in Australia. Are uh, much better than the working conditions that they get in some places overseas, and the money, even the pathetic kilometre rates that we get here, is much better than they get overseas, and they're willing to to work for that. I'm I'm saying to you that I believe that the imported drivers are actually driving our wages down or keeping them down.
3: Yeah, look, and and um, you know, again, listening to your podcast, uh, I, I, I think. Um... Last week, again, there was a little bit of a debate around uh, sort of a minimum rate. Mm. Um, And, you know, I I know um, there's a few people around and we've mentioned a couple already that, that, and and yourself, I think, uh, don't think it's something that would necessarily work. Uh, But when you look about uh, importing drivers and people that, uh, you know, their eyes light up because because they come from such a... uh, a low base uh, internationally and they see what might be an offer here, even if it looks scrappy to us, uh, you know, they come in, they drive the wages down. So, you know, maybe there's a space there for um, uh, a minimum rate. That's that's a whole different debate, I, I, I think. Uh, uh, but uh, you're right, you know, there needs to be some standard. Uh, we've got a, a safe rates campaign. I'm sure uh, you've heard those words before.
2: Uh, I'm, I'm very aware of it. <laughs> very aware
3: of it so you know i mean for me uh what does that mean and you know i still see myself as an an official on the ground obviously we've got a space uh at the national level and you know talking to politicians and all that sort of stuff but you know for our our members and our officials on the ground when they're trying to enforce a rate of pay whether it be for employees or owner drivers you know what safe rates means to them is, is is a a transport tribunal essentially mm. attached to fair work, um, whether it be for employees and or owner drivers. And we've got an opportunity there to go in there, enforce an agreement, establish an agreement or resolve disputes. We're
2: going we're to be looking forward to seeing what the government uh, delivers in this area. I mean, they've made no secret of the fact that uh, the Road Safety Remuneration Tribunal, not called that, but something along those lines, will be brought forward in legislation in the near future, I'd certainly say it's going to happen in the first term of government.
3: If, if only we could have this conversation um, uh, early in the new year. Mm. I mean, uh, it's a space that we're in. Yeah. Uh, it's a space that I spent a lot of time, you know, even had to head up to Canberra um, for the first time uh, I'd have ever visited Canberra, but stepping into uh, this position, it's stuff we've got to do and go and lobby some of the politicians and, uh, you know, the, the words we've been using is uh, keeping the boot on their neck. Uh, <laughs> we've got to make sure that we get what is promised and what we've been asking for and what a, a federal Labor government should be delivering. Uh, and, and that's that's what we've got to do. And I, I, I think you're on the money there, mate. I, uh, you know, I don't want to let too many cats out of the bag, but I think it's something we're going to see
2: very soon. Well, I have had lots of discussions with various different people. I'm certain that it's going to happen very soon. The, Good. The reality of it, isn't it? You know, I've spoken to Michael Kane about this. We need to do something. Now, uh, unfortunately, I'll say it out loud, talking to you, I've been called an industrial lefty, and I suppose I am, even though I'm a conservative in a lot of other things. I said before the election that I thought Labor had the best platform for transport. That hurt for, That hurt to have to say that, believe me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I... Uh, I struggle sometimes with the positions that uh, some of our, uh, our politicians take. I, saw, I certainly struggle with the time it takes to get something sorted out too. Uh, the reality that we find ourselves in now post-COVID is that we're, we were once heroes, but now we're just a pain in the arse again, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens uh, down the track. There's a lot of cynicism and a lot of negativity out there at the moment. I honestly think the guys out there on the road now are just pissed off and tired. We've had a rough time. Absolutely. And uh, there are a lot of companies now that are falling by the wayside. Uh, the driver shortage, I don't think there is actually a driver shortage. I think there's a remuneration problem personally. But we've got plenty of guys out there to drive uh, just that they're not being rewarded appropriately. I'm going to get off that hobby horse, mate. Um, the,
3: the... <laughs> Look, it's an interesting one, Mike, and and I probably want to try and keep it pretty brief because I don't have too much time. But uh, you know, I've I've been an on uh, the ground official for the bulk of my time at the TWU. I step into this place now as a as a as a branch secretary, and there's an obligation for me to go and talk to politicians. Uh, now, people before me have done it. Some have done it well. Uh, We're in a very good space uh, uh, with our relationship across the National Union now and uh, the pressure that we've got on Canberra. and We've got to take advantage of it. Uh, So we're doing that. And the safe rates, I suppose, you know, um, we've got to get something in play and it's happening. And, you know, as simple as it sounds for for my end, that's a result of the pressure that the union's been putting on across the country. Uh, The second point. Um, is you talk about uh, companies going down, you talk about attraction for, for drivers to get in, in the industry. Uh, we have a, a, a campaign nationally. I mean, we're really about two years in. We've probably got another six years to go. We sort of look across a two to three enterprise agreements to try and achieve this. Is to As I said earlier, to bring those second and third tier companies and the conditions for those drivers up to where they should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that that's crucial. Uh, and probably just the last, part of this speech is, you know, superannuation. Mm. Uh, You want to get um, younger people into the industry, male and female, and you want them to stay. Mm. So if we can get, uh, as we've done with many of our agreements, if we can get a pathway to uh, 15%, which is is our target, uh, hopefully that's something that uh, can hold people in the industry.
2: Well, we'll wait and see. The election in November is going to be a little bit of a defining thing for you, obviously, uh you and and your colleagues are, i suppose you're quite comfortable that uh, that you're in a in a winning position you you're saying that your your membership's actually going up not down and uh you you're happy with the way the union's going in Victoria Tasmania I am. We've got a lot of support out of Tasmania. It was something that uh, needed a focus.
3: Uh, I, was in, I think I mentioned earlier I was involved in the Toll National Agreement late last year and the support that we got out of Tassie was fantastic um, and it was one of the three key things that I wanted to concentrate on as I came into this position um, for, personally for, for our local branch. Uh, the growth's been good. Uh, we've got uh, people on the ground now. We've got a mix of um, experienced officials and uh, people with different skills. We've got to get into this communication space now and a little bit of technology. Uh, But, you know, it's not about me, it's about our team. Um, And having been there for a while, I think we've got the best team we've ever had. So I'm I'm very comfortable uh, as as to where the union's at and where it's going. And I'm very happy with the work that's been done this year and the last two. Uh, and I think that's what we'll see us through. Uh,
2: probably the other question really is that uh, there, there's been a little bit of criticism leveled about the uh, customer service experience, I suppose, guys ringing up to get a little bit of help and advice from the union. And supposedly the phones aren't being answered. Mate, do you need a few more phone service people? Uh, absolutely not. And, and I, you know, I,
3: I'll be quite uh, strong on this. I, I, I call BS on that. Um, it's something I'm very, very big on. And again, you know, I had my own sort of sub team uh, of organisers over since almost since about two thousand and twelve up until January, and uh, that was my group, very strong group. And uh, I think we led the way on that sort of stuff. And I make sure that uh, uh, people are again not only standing in front of the members, but they're returning calls, they're taking the calls. Um, interestingly, and I don't want to get on my soapbox too much, but uh, you know the, the other bloke that's running, he did run in 2018 as well, uh, and he ran on a platform of establishing a call centre and he wanted less organisers, he wanted less officials on the ground. Uh, he's still pushing that barrow. Uh, I don't know how that provides customer service. I don't know how that gets someone standing there in front of a member dealing with an issue. Um, but no, I, look, I, I refute the, the customer service uh, uh, point, uh, completely, 100%. No, I thought you might.
2: <laughs> well,
3: it's just
2: right. Mate, I, look, I can tell you now, I rang the union up in Victoria last week and I didn't have any trouble getting through. Well, you've got my number, Mike, and I'll say to any member, and they do, um, if you can't get the bloke you should be ringing, you ring me. I know, fair enough, mate. Well, thanks very much. I'm, uh, as I say, happy that you came on and perhaps you can come back after the election and uh, you can uh, tell us what happened. Happy to do it, Mike,
3: and I really appreciate you having me on, mate.
0: If you cast your mind back to 1999, the biggest hit of the year getting truckloads of airplay on just about every radio station was the Whitlam's classic protest song, Blow Up the Pokies. Now, fast forward to 2022, and Tim Friedman from the Whitlam's, together with his alternate country project called the Whitlam's Black Stump Band, is back with a brilliant remake of the original song in a different key with a different time signature and driven by banjo and pedal steel guitar. Easing us out of the show this week is Tim Friedman and the Whitlam's Black Stump Band with Blow Up the Pokies 2022
1: style. There was the stage Two red lights and a dodgy PA You trod the planks way back And it's strange you're here again, here again And I wish I'd shine you so long to earn You can double up or you can burn You can burn And I wish I'd shine
0: On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Be sure to join us again next week when our guest says...
6: I'm used to it now, sounds good.
0: Mike says... All right, that's it. And Andy says... All I can do is wish you luck. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions.
1: lights it's a real show and your wife I wouldn't go home the little bundles need care and you can't be a father there father there and I wish I wish shine